what does it mean to be an assistant principal? What's your job and what are the essential skills? One of the reasons that being an AP is so challenging is because there aren't really clear answers to these questions. I mean, outside of buses, books, and butts, there isn't a strong consensus of what makes a great AP. This is one of my motivations in starting this podcast. Like it sometimes feels like assistant principals are in this ever-changing role of mixed up expectations, and that just doesn't seem fair. I hope through this podcast that we can bring some clarity to the role and to the essential elements of being a great AP. And today we have a wonderful guest who can help us do that. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast is to help improve the life and leadership of assistant principals. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Tia Jones, Assistant Principal at Catawba Trail Elementary School in Richland II School District in Elgin, South Carolina. Tia is the 2022 South Carolina Elementary School Principal of the Year, and she's here with us to help us dig deeper into what it means to be a great Assistant Principal. Tia, I am so honored to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so can you tell us very briefly how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. I can tell you it was definitely a journey. Um, I started my educational career uh, in Richland School District 2 about 24 years ago. I started as a teaching assistant. Um, and in that role, I work with special needs students and I also work with kindergarten students. Um, one of the years, actually several of the years, I actually taught Spanish to K through five students, uh, and I couldn't speak Spanish. That was the interesting <laughs> part of it. Um, back then, years ago, um, you would play a movie, and that's how the students would learn their Spanish. And the administrator at the school actually allowed me to have my own classroom and be able to have a multicultural classroom. So we took tours of different countries and learned several languages, um, including Spanish. And we kind of compared it to the Spanish language. So I started there, and I had an administrator their principal. Her name was Martha Roberts, and she saw something in me that I knew I had, but didn't know the route to get to where I wanted to be. And at the time, you know, I was married. I had three children at the time. And I just said, she said, you need to go back to school. And I was like, what? She said, go back to school and get your teaching degree because you would make a phenomenal teacher. And she not only said that, she put me in contact with a person at the school, another teacher who went through a program where she um, was a paraprofessional during the day and actually um, went to classes at night. And so I was able to enroll in that program. I attended South Carolina State University and I was able to get my teaching degree. So worked full time during the day, went to school at night and four years later was able to teach and I became a second grade teacher and loved, loved, loved second grade. Didn't think anything was better than teaching second grade. And then I started teaching kindergarten. Fell in love with the little ones. And so again, I just love teaching, but I, it was it's something about the little the little babies, I call them. Um, they're always my babies. So moving from there, um, I just didn't stop. I continued with school. I ended up getting my master's. I ended up um, earning my national board teacher certification. I'm going back to get my ed specialist so I can go into administration. And then uh, most recently, I was able to earn my doctorate a couple of years ago. Wow. That's a lot in really a short period of time. Yes. 
So we always like to start with the celebration. What are you celebrating today? Well, I personally, I am celebrating um, some exciting news that uh, my baby girl, my daughter is expecting. So I am going to be a grandmother. Oh, congratulations. So I am super excited uh, for my first grandchild um, to be here later this year, the end of the year in December. Wow. That is so wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's get started with the interview. And I want you to think about Tia, the first year assistant principal, and now Dr. Jones, the assistant principal of the year. Absolutely. I can tell you, Tia has come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) You learn a lot um, in this role and whatever role you you're in, you always want to grow and you always want to learn something new. I can tell you um, as my first year, you know, you used to hug that manual when you were a first year teacher and you're trying to make sure you get everything right. You teach the babies what they need to learn and you're at home at night practicing, making sure that when you get back in that classroom that you're going to do it right. You're going to teach the kids what they know. It was that same feeling when I stepped into the role as assistant principal. I looked at, um, again, the school was my classroom, and I looked at the teachers and the students as my students, per se. And so I wanted to make sure I did it right. And it was um, this balancing act, but it was also the nervousness of and the anxiety of this new role and making sure that, one, I was learning what I needed to learn, and then, two, teaching um, not only my teachers, Teachers, but also the students, what they needed to learn. You know, in this role, of course, you, safety is first. You always say, okay, I always tell my students that my role is to make sure that you're safe and that you're learning. Those two things are going to happen. And that's my job to make sure that it happens. And in doing that, you're not only uh, supporting the students, but you're supporting the teachers. And so it's, it's that balance and then being able to, you know, build those relationships to know exactly what the needs are in your school to make that happen. So what do you think is the biggest difference in in where you are now from where you were when you first started? What accounts for that difference? Well, I can tell you um, one of them is um, time management. Being able before it was like I was just putting out a lot of fires, being able to prioritize and figure out, okay, well, this is on my plate. I need to do it. But over the years, of course, I learned it's all about those relationships It's being able to look to see, okay, what really matters here? What's going to make the biggest impact? And what it comes down to is the relationships you build with your students, with your teachers, as well as with your parents. And what I've learned is a lot of things take care of themselves. Uh, when you build those relationships. And so you put more time into that component versus Um, the other things that may be on your checklist that you're trying to check off or the fires that you're trying to to put out. So you want to be more proactive. So I've definitely learned how to, I learned that, but learning how to grow those relationships um, to make it, to make it better for everyone. Okay. So we've got a list of questions, but we're probably just going to go off script right here because (laughs) there are some really important things you just said. Uh, You know, I was talking with a group of assistant principals last year and, and they said, we need more time management. We need to, and, and I thought, you know, like time is finite. There's, mm-hmm. you can't manage time. There's only so much of it. What you manage is priorities, which is exactly what, what you just said. And I think that is one of the big transition points mm-hmm. from being a, a new leader 
to gaining that experience and taking that step to being a great leader is realizing I'm not managing my time. I'm managing my priorities, which is a really cool thing because when you're trying to manage your time, I think your time is really running you. But when you can make that shift to, I'm going to manage my priorities. Now you're in the driver's seat. Exactly. Exactly. I know there was an exercise that I did several years ago. Um, We had a district level leadership program um, that I participated in. And one of those exercises was, you know, one, pretty much what you were saying with time and management allowed you to reflect on the time that you were using your day to day. So it was like pretty much setting a timer for every 15 minutes on your phone. And during that time, you had to list what you did in those 15 minutes. And so that was actually for an entire day. And then after doing that, you had to go back and look. It's like, wow, I spent this much time checking email. Wow, I spent this much time in the classroom observing and supporting teachers. You know, you you can think that you're really doing this, but you're really putting more time into something else. Um, And so being intentional and then also being reflective helps with that. So one of the things that you just made me think about, because we can spend too much time on the things that really aren't as critical. Do you have particular ways that you've learned to manage communications? Um, and, And I'll just elaborate. I think some people use email as like their instant communication tool. And so that means you're tied to email all day and you're getting all this stuff that really all it's going to do is intrude on your priorities. So mm-hmm. what are the, some of the things that you do to really manage those communications? So you're available when you need to do stuff for safety, but you're not being interrupted when you are working with teachers and building relationships. Okay. Well, I know um, one of the things that definitely helps me is, you know, making my, you're going to make a to-do list. Well, I am anyway, <laughs> I'm going to make my to-do list, but being able to say, okay, what, sorry, we have these lights that go off automatically. <laughs> <laughs> I love being in those buildings. <laughs> sorry. Um, but just being able to, you know, taking your to-do list. And then as you see that something comes up, I personally, and this is just me, I like to communicate face-to-face. I, I will email some things, but I, I too don't like a lot of email. And if I'm walking the halls and I need to see a teacher or I know this is the teacher's planning time um, and I need to ask a quick question or say something to the teacher, I would use that as the time, the opportunity to do that. Um, as well as same way with parents, um, I would, you know, find opportunities where I don't have to always send an email instead of sending the email, I'll pick up the phone and call so you can hear a voice um, that makes it more personable. And then also, um, you don't get any mixed messages or mixed signals um, when you communicate in that way. So it, de- it depends on what it is. But also to protect my time, I'm going to walk the building, I'm going to get out and walk. And then there's sometimes whereas I might need to communicate after school hours. Um, I've had to contact parents, you know, at 7.30. I had a parent one night, you know, send an email, I think at seven o'clock. And I said, call me. And she was like, now? And I'm like, yeah, call me now. I'm up, you're up, let's talk about it. You know, and so that helps because guess what? The next morning, this parent is not in my office irate because of something that she was, can't sleep on, you know, trying to sleep, trying to handle that night before that came home. So being able to address those things. And then another thing that I do um, that I feel was definitely instrumental in my shift um, in administration and my thinking in administration is that being able 
to communicate with parents again by phone. But if something, if there was an incident at school, being able to communicate to that parent that day before the kids get home. So I tried my best before the end of the school day. If I spoke with a student, especially in my office, even if I call and say, hey, I just want to let you know that your, your son helped me out. I needed help with an investigation or I need to ask a quick question and I called into my office. They're perfectly fine, but just want to give you a heads up on what we talked about. So parents appreciate that. Um, but then, you know, they get home, have the dinnertime conversations and it's like, oh, in school this happened and I went to see Dr. Jones. It's like, well, nobody called me and why did you see Dr. Jones? So that kind of alleviates that. And so that has been one of the things that um, I definitely try to do each and every time I talk with a student, making sure that I connect with that parent prior to the child getting home. Wow, that is awesome. I've not heard anybody talk. I'm sure there are people out there doing that, but I have not heard anybody talk about being that intentional about getting the first message out because you know, the kid's going to come home and maybe say something. It's just a little bit different. So like, that's not exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I think if the teacher had, or if the parent has already heard your side of it, mm-hmm. they're much more likely to be skeptical of the child rather than if the child comes home and says, you know, whatever their story is. Yes. That's great. And, and I love also the emphasis on, on face-to-face, um, you know, I, I keep trying to challenge people on their use of email. And, and when you, when you choose to go out face-to-face, I think in, you just described four things that are happening. So instead of sitting in my office, doing an email and maybe getting one thing done, you're actually getting four things done. You're out. And so you're, you're visible and you can stop stuff from happening in the first place. Um, you, you stops that back and forth because you can simply have that conversation right now. So we don't have five emails or five text messages going back and forth. It does build a relationship. Email can't build a relationship, but you, you and I sitting here together talking that, that builds the connection. And, and then finally is that clarity piece because you know, we, we can settle on it and settle on the final details and not have to come back and deal with it later. So that's just two great things. I almost want to stop the interview right now because everybody listening should just go talk to people face to face, be present. And then, wow, make sure that you reach out to parents and let them know before the kid gets home. Those are two powerful things, but we won't stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to go back to relationships and this was actually, um, a discussion I was having with an assistant principal today. And it's something I think we're going to take into our apex community and, and just do a whole little thing on it. We all talk about relationships and the importance of relationships, but what does that actually mean? And what kind of relationship should we be building? And then how should we be building it? So let's talk first about when you talk about relationships, what do you think characterizes a good relationship with the teacher and the assistant principal? A good relationship, one is going to be that that two-way communication. Um, It's being able to to be honest, to be transparent, and to build that trust. So in order to have that trusting relationship, people are going to be open and honest, typically, when they trust someone. Um, And so that that goes beyond 
you know, how is your school day going? What can I help you with in the classroom? How is little Johnny doing today? It is, how's your weekend? What plans do you have? Um, I know your son's getting ready for college. Are you ready? You know, how do you feel? So it's getting on a, a, another level. So you have personal, you have professional, but it definitely does go hand in hand because again, you're human. You want to show your human side. I'm human, you know. So we all want to make sure that when we talk about the relationship piece, it doesn't have to be just work. You know, I want my teachers to know that I care about them at school, but I care about them as a person. I want the best for them for home as well as for what they do for our students at school. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable here. <laughs> My first administrative job, I was um, a county level special ed coordinator. And I, I took that job in a county where I had not taught. So I didn't know anybody. And in fact, we, I was in schools that we did not, we didn't have a strong, we didn't have a, our own district office. We were actually serving other districts. So I wasn't even the boss uh, or supervisor of the people that I was in, you know, working with. And, and I was so lost and, and I kept hearing, okay, build relationships, build relationships. And so I would try to ask some of those personal questions and, and, and it just, it didn't work. And, and what I really, um, you know, realize in, in listening to what you're saying, what I'm reminded of is I, I didn't care right? I cared about the job and I cared about trying to get things together, you know, for students to make things, but I didn't care about those teachers in the way that I should have. And, and so when I was trying to ask those questions and get to know them, it, it wasn't real, right? Mm -hmm. I was doing that as a step, check the box. And I think that's another critical thing um, for people to take away. Like we, we have to really care. And, and I think most people that will be easier. I was just too focused and, you know, too much on students. And, and I think we have to remember that to take care of our students, we have to take care of our teachers and they're humans too. Mm -hmm. And because we're in leadership, we have ethical obligation to care about and support our teachers. Absolutely. And it's so easy to check off the box. I'm just saying to, to fall into that running down the hall, because again, you have so many fires, you have things that you need to handle to just pop your head in and, and you know, say something quick and leave to say, well, I spoke to them or well, I, you know, checked in on them, but you really didn't check in on them, you know, and so that that is easy to do. But I always um, tell people that, you know, how people say, you know, a happy wife, happy life. And I was just like, hey, happy teachers, happy students. I want to make sure my teachers are happy because they are that important for my students and for us. Yeah. So um, it's just it's just simple as that. It's like we have to take care of our teachers. And and so when we're talking about having that relationship, I think number one we're talking about trust, mm -hmm. and we're talking about knowing our teachers on a professional level, certainly but also understanding the personal level and who they are, because all that stuff that's happening outside the classroom in their lives is influencing how, how they're able to approach the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there could be, you know, things going on with a family crisis that have um, come up. And especially, uh, I know one for me, I have, 
you know, older parents or my dad's older. So you have, you're taking on some things that you've never taken on before on top of having your own family. So there are some things that teachers go to at, go through as an, as adults, you know, with their families. And of course it may spill over into the classroom. Whereas, you know, I was a very patient teacher today. I am not, you know, because of what's going on. So being able to know your teachers to say, Hey, what's going on? You're a little different. I, um, there's something wrong, you know, being able to, to know when that change happens, you know, there could be a teacher who has no discipline issues and all of a sudden she's sending 10 kids to the office every day. You're like, okay, whoa, something has happened. You know, is it the students or do I really do something else to help my teacher? You know, there's something there. So being able, that relationship piece helps with that. Yeah. And, and I think part of that is, uh, asking the second question. So a lot of times, especially when we're in a hurry, we say, hey, hey, how are you doing? And they get fine. Okay. <laughs> but we need to stop and ask that second question. No, really, how are you doing? And I think that's one of those things then that that kind of opens the dam sometimes so that we can yes. we how hear are you from doing? them. And how's your family? Mm. How's your family? Yeah. Is everybody okay? You know? So let's talk about that building trust process then. Um, if you think about, let's talk about, I guess, new teachers. So you have new teachers coming in. We're in that time of the year. What do you want to make sure that you're doing with the new or early career teachers in your building? Okay. Um, just know I love, I love my profession. I love new teachers. I love being able all right, going out again, um, being able to um, connect with them and you know, I want them to love what they, what they do. I want, the, I want to keep them, <laughs> you know, it's that, it's that retention pieces It's one thing, um, you know, to, to get the new, to recruit them, but it's another to retain, you know, now that we have them now, what? And so I know on my campus, we have this extra level of support. I started um, what I call teacher success sessions. And yes, that's like a tongue twister. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably about five years ago, um, here in my school and what we do and our district is phenomenal with our new teachers by providing instructional coaches that will stay with them at least through the first two years to be able to provide support guidance um, and different PDs, especially for specifically for our, our new teachers um, on the school level, though, of course, we have a mentor for them, whether they are um, new to us at our school or whether they are new to teaching um, in general. And so what I started several years ago was being able to have monthly sessions with them as well as their mentors. So part of the time um, we would meet it and maybe on how to communicate with parents, time management, um, Parent conferences are coming up. How is that going to look? What now that we have our data? How are you going to use it now? What you know? So what are we going to? So those are some of the some of the topics that that we've had with them. And then I feed them. Everything I do, we usually eat. So just know. And typically I cook. So we, we have refreshments. Um, I give out door prizes. We have typically guest speakers that will come in, whether it's a, a fellow teacher or colleague um, that specializes in that area, or um, I can have someone from the district level or someone from the university to come out um, and to share. And then we always have talk time. I always start with, okay, how are you feeling? Tell me what's going on, you know? And so we kind of talk about some things that may be happening in the classroom and maybe amongst each other, kind of give each other advice. And then we get into our sessions. Um, and then it actually evolved over the years, but for the last two years, 
not counting COVID, um, last two years, um, for the most part, what we've started to do is, is have our SEL sessions for our teachers. So it's really um, evolved into the entire school. And so what we do with that is, um, and I call SEL social emotional living for our educators, because that's that's what that's what I feel it is. Um, and so I've reached out to like our related arts teachers. And so one day we had um, archery. And so our PE teacher actually taught our teachers um, about archery. And then we had a professional development with our ESOL um, teachers who talked about strategies of working with ESOL students. And then, of course, we ate. And we had, you know, music and some games. And then there was another session. Um, we did work with our music teacher and she talked about creative um, movements, um, movement breaks that they could do in the classroom um, to help with transition and classroom management. And then we had someone else from the district to come in and talk about classroom management as well. Again, they do this session um, with their mentors, but it's open to all teachers in the school. I mean, we have some cafeteria workers, we have some custodial staff that will actually join in on these sessions. And so this year, what I wanna do is I'm gonna actually combine what I did initially along with what I'm doing now for the entire school. So we'll have two different sessions, but it, everyone will be invited um, because we actually will have about six new teachers this year. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm reframing how that looks because I know um, the support that's going to be needed. So I want to make sure that the, that they feel comfortable. I want them confident in what they're doing. Um, and then we're also going to do, you know, a book study. Um, Whitaker, Todd Whitaker and his daughters wrote a book in the first year teaching. Okay. And so that's one of the book studies that we're actually going to do in um, our, our group. So again, providing that level of support, um, I think is important, but I, I love what I do with that. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the things that stands out to me as you're talking, we always talk about it takes a village to raise a child, but I think it takes a village to support early career teachers as well. And, and I like that what you're doing is really plugging them into the network and, and you've got something that's targeted for them, but also is bringing in the rest of the school community. Um, and, and so you're just building a denser relationship and more of a support network for those early career teachers. Yes. Okay. So he, here's what we're going to do. There's been lots of good stuff too. So I, we're actually going to, um, we're going to end this as kind of part one of this interview. And then next week we'll continue with part two. So in thinking about what we've, what we've just covered, um, I guess, what, what is the one thing that you want all principals to take away from what we've just talked about? I would like for them to take away the intentionality, being intentional about anything that you do. But when it comes to working with the teachers for the benefit of our students, I think being intentional with your time, being intentional with your actions, and being intentional with your relationships. Awesome. And anything in particular that you would say to some of the new first and second year APs that might be listening? Yes. Don't second guess yourself as much. I know it's hard that first year. And, and that is a part of, to me of that anxiety. You always seem to second guess yourself because you want to do it right, but you're not sure. Um, find a mentor. 
get someone that you can call on um, to bounce questions and ideas off of. And don't be afraid to step off the ledge and try something new. Just because you're new in this role, you have plenty of creative ideas um, that you need to share. I love that. And you know, one of the, I think a lot of new APs are going to have what we call imposter syndrome, where it's the job they wanted and they've gone after and now they're there. And <laughs> ah, I shouldn't be here. And one of the, um, I follow a, a kind of thought leader, uh, Seth Godin, and he said about imposter syndrome that when you feel imposter syndrome, it means that you're pushing your edge. It means that you're doing things that you're trying to grow and you're, you're using kind of the best of, of your powers and you're getting after it. Mm-hmm. And, and I've loved that. That's been a game changer for me. And I think that's something related to what you just said. If, if new APs out there can remember that, you know, if you're feeling like a fish out of water, that's because you're pushing your edge. You're trying to get better and you're trying to grow. And that's what we all should be doing. That's right. Exactly. Excellent. So if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook. They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and they can also find me on Twitter. Uh, Tia Jones ED1 is my handle for Twitter. Okay, great. And we'll put those links in the show notes and all of your social media links we'll just post in there so people can find that. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're going to do a quick wrap up and um, then I hope people stay tuned and make sure you come back next week for the second part of what has already been a great interview. So Tia, this has been great. Thanks for sharing today. And uh, people, listeners, if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and rate this podcast. I'm always trying to improve the show. So if you have feedback for me, please email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. That wraps up today's show. I'm Frederick Buskey, and I hope you'll join me next time for the Assistant Principal Podcast.